Let me read from Galatians, please. Galatians chapter 5, starting with verse 16. I want to talk about the Spirit-led Father on today. Would you say that after me, please? The Spirit-led Father. Verse 16, Galatians chapter 5. I say then, walk in the Spirit, <clears throat> and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit... You are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelry, and the like. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. The Lord bless his word and you may be seated. <clears throat> I've never heard of anyone who used this passage as a text are a basis for a Father's Day message. But as I thought regarding Father's Day, I began to seek the Lord regarding his will for this message, and by the Lord's inspiration, I was led to this particular passage. What I was really looking for was a passage which would project the qualities which should not be a part of the fatherly role and the passages which should be a part are qualities which should be a part of the fatherly role. And I found in this text things which are desperately needed and things that we certainly need to pray about and think about. That all because all that is worthwhile and all that is valuable is being jeopardized in this day in which we live. Number one, the family is being jeopardized. You all know the family is in jeopardy. One half of all marriages end in divorce. The average span of a marriage today is about six or seven years. We're in trouble. The family is in trouble. Our children, 50% of them are born to single parents. 50% in our community, not counting the hundreds of thousands and millions of abortions that take place. 
single parent households. There's an epidemic of homosexuality in the world on today. And then there's a plague of drug abuse, substance abuse. Add that to all the crime and all the lawlessness, all the gangs, all the dangers of living in the city, then you've got a situation that spells distress and trouble. Then there is a moral avalanche, a moral decline in this day to the degree that everything goes. Everything is literally all right. And so these good qualities are not only needed for husbands and for fathers, but they're good qualities for mothers and good qualities for wives and sons and daughters and brothers and sisters and just people in general. There is a need for an upward climb morally for our entire world and our entire society. Only nice people really deserve to be around nice people. Now there are some mean people around nice people, but it's not because they deserve to be there, it's just because of the grace of God. But if there are nice people, then you need to be nice to associate with them and to deal with them. And you know it's strange how everybody wants everybody else to be nice. Everybody wants everybody else to be nice. A thief doesn't want anybody else to steal. <clears throat> Break into your house, steal all your stuff, but he'll try to kill you if he finds out you took some stuff out of his house. A violent man wants mercy from the judge. You shot somebody and now you're before the judge begging for mercy. But you didn't show any mercy. You didn't show any kindness. You, you violated the rights and, 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 and the privileges of everybody else. But now you stand before the judge and you want the judge be merciful unto me. An adulterer wants his wife to be straight. Amen. An adulteress wants her husband to be faithful. Try to have a down and out fit. You've been off and around 15 or 20 times and your mate uh, stepped out once and you want to kill her. Are you all with me on today? And so there should be equity in our relationships. Nice people deserve to be treated nicely. And all of us need to climb until we become our very, very best selves. And what the world does not realize is that we cannot be our best selves without the help of God. We cannot rise to the moral level that we really need to reach to have a harmonious existence on this earth without God's help. Philippians 2 and 13 says, it is God that worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Only the Spirit of God working in us will give us even a desire to do right and then the ability to do the right that we desire to do. Paul said, the thing that I would do, I do it not. 
The evil that I would not do, that I do. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And then he said, I thank God through Jesus Christ. For there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. It's only when you're in Christ that you have the capacity to really become the person that God would have you to be. Listen, if you would rise higher, you must tie yourself or, to, uh, or attach yourself to something that is above you if you are to rise. If you attach, attach to something beneath you, all that will do is pull you down. But when you want to go higher, you've got to reach up and grab hold to something that is higher than you are. And God alone stands above us to lift us and to enable us to become the people that he would have us to be. You attain this by being born again. Born of the Spirit. Are there any born again folk in the house? If you're born again, then you need to know what 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. And so by being in Christ, by walking in obedience to the Spirit of the Lord, you place yourself within the context of the will and the power of God and you strive to remain there. If you are abiding in Christ, if you are seeking Christ, if you are reaching out for Christ, then Christ will enable you to become and be the person that he would have you to be. Galatians 5.16 says, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of your sinful nature. And so that's a biblical guarantee. If you're living in obedience to and in the presence of and under the power of the Spirit, you will not live contrary to the will of God, to the way of God, to the plan of God for your life. For when you live or walk in the Spirit, you place yourself within the context of the will and the power of God. And when you obey God's will, God will guide you away from everything that might pull you away from him. And so Paul in this text gives us a list of qualities, attitudes, actions, which are contrary to the spirit-led life. If you love God, if Jesus is in your heart, there are some things that you just ought not do. There are some things that you just ought not say. There are some involvements that you ought to flee from with all your strength and with all your might. Well, verse 19, Galatians 5 mentions adultery, which is sexual immorality, impurity of the mind, sexual indecency, inappropriate sexual involvements. And Paul is saying that the, the context, in this context, that, 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 that sex and fatherhood must be within the boundaries of marriage. Uh, would you please look at somebody and say sex and fatherhood or motherhood ought to be within the boundaries of marriage. The purpose of sex is the reproduction of children. It's the highest expression of love and esteem between intimacy between a man and a woman. It's a means of bonding 
to sustain and strengthen the marital relationship. And the relationship of a husband and wife is jeopardized and deteriorated by infidelity. Amen. A marital relationship where there is sexual infidelity uh, is weakened and jeopardized by that infidelity. And the injured mate is alienated and injured greatly. Immorality decreases effectiveness because it dissipates emotional energy, mental energy, physical energy, spiritual energy, and productiveness that ought be used for the glory of God and for the advancement of one's life. Amen. Sexual immorality, you got to take time to set it up. Got to take time to clean it up. Got to take time to cover it up. Got to take time to fix it up. And when you get through with all of that, you do damage that impacts your life forever. Just better to behave. Sex outside of marriage provides no family context for the offspring. It implies no responsibility for the well-being of the offspring and it places children and women at an extreme disadvantage, a position from which they may never be able to recover. And many of the ills of our society can be traced to the failure of fathers to relate to their children as God intended for them to relate. I was looking at AOL website the other day and saw where there was a man, some of you may have seen it too, who had had children by 20 different women. And I think 18 of them were suing him for non-child support. Well, there's no way the fella was ever going to come through and there's no way they should ever have been involved with the fella in the first place. I wish somebody would say amen up in here. If you've got a child anywhere on the face of the earth, take care of that child. Show your love for that child. The child is already at jeopardy, already. But at least you can do whatever you can now to make sure that that child is a recipient of your concern and of your love. So, Paul in Galatians 5, don't get mad at me, I'm just reading Galatians 5. That adultery is one of the things that should be avoided. Then he says idolatry. And you don't have to bow down and worship before some idol stone or wood god in some pagan temple to be an idolater. To worship as God, something other than God, is to be an idolater. You can worship your clothes. You can worship your house. You can worship your car. You can worship your friends, your associates, your family. You can worship your job. Anything you put in front of God is your idol. You worship it above God. And listen, the Lord is, is God and him only should we worship and should we serve. And when you are committed to anything else other than God, then you are an idolater. Then he mentions witchcraft, sorcery to seek to function by some spiritual power other than by God. And it's amazing to me that uh, so many uh, uh, so-called intelligent people who, 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 who are college educated and, and who, who have great wisdom uh, 
don't believe in God, but then they'll go to some type of palm reader. Or they'll pick up the astrological table, which is nothing but another form of idolatry. Astrology is, is to consult with and to worship and to esteem heavenly bodies which are thought to be powerful, gods. And, 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 and when you become wrapped up in astrology and, and, and you, you, you're talking about what sign you're born under, I'm born under the sign of Jesus Christ and his blood. I'm, I'm born under the sign of almighty God who created me and made me. I, listen, I, I, I know what astrological uh, tables would say about me but I'm more concerned about what the Bible would say about me and about my future and so um, there are those who would go to somebody and try to pay them to fix something and to deal with something and I'm going to say a little bit more about that uh, a little bit later on but witchcraft and then Paul goes on to mention hatred and discord and fits of rage uh, and and, and hatred and discord and anger and fits of rage, uh, these are indications of our insecurity. Uh, they are self-defense mechanisms who try to, for those who lack self-esteem, try to use to boost themselves up higher. I, I, I know you're walking around macho and you're bad and you're tough and you, you've got it all together, but listen, when you have it all together, you don't have to let anybody know you got it all together. You just have it together. When you've got confidence in yourself and when you've got confidence in your capacity, you don't have to convince anybody of it. Uh, you, you just live and proceed and, and what needs to be known about you will be known. But when you don't trust in your ability, when you don't trust in, in your wisdom, uh, then you, you try to put up fronts that would indicate to others that, that there's something that they need to be apprehensive uh, about. I'll never forget when I uh, first met um, Sister May and, and we were going to a convention in, in Tennessee and I was going to meet her there, but I heard there was another fellow who was also trying to talk to Sister May uh, and, and I, was, I was looking for that guy so I could make my impression. Uh, and so... Now, I picked out the guy that I thought it was. And, and I went through the whole process. You know what I mean? I was, I was bad. I was macho. Yeah. Talk, talking to the guy. And it turns out that he was the wrong guy. <laughs> so even when you're trying to make an impression, you sometimes may make an impression on the wrong person. But listen, if you've got God in your life, Strong people can afford to be kind. Strong people can afford to be nice because they know that whatever they confront with God in their lives, they can deal with the situation. So hatred and dissension and anger, discord. Some people thrive on mess, thrive on controversy. If they don't have some mess going on, they start some mess because they're just used to being in a messy, messy situation. Discord, factions, my group against your group. Listen, we are all one family in Jesus Christ. Don't you let somebody pull you off into their confusion, into their mess. Listen, if they're that kind of person, they say, listen, that's you and that's your stuff. I'm not involved in it. I, I love everybody and I love the Lord. Is that all right? And don't let me start talking about jealousy. 
Amen. So many jealous folk. Listen, if God has blessed somebody, you bless them too. And God will bless you. Jealousy is as cruel, someone said, as the grave. Hallelujah. And when you live in jealousy, you never have a moment of peace. You never have a moment of rest. The other person is going on about their business, enjoying life, and there you are sitting somewhere with hatred and negativity cropping up in your system, in your heart. Uh, your digestive juice is eating you up. Your heart beating fast. You're breathing more rapid than it ought to be. And the person you're jealous of does not even know you're on the face of the earth. And then Paul not only talks about jealousy, and it's a pretty good list, isn't it? He talks about selfish ambition. Person who will walk over anybody trying to get to their goal, to their objective, who does not care about anything but about themselves. And then finally, Paul gets to drunkenness. Drunkenness, which in this day would include addiction. Somebody ought to say praise the Lord. I was on the internet a few days ago and I saw in a 24-hour period five instances of cannibalism. One fella ate a fella's brain and his heart. Another fella cut off somebody's hands and had one of the hands in his closet. Another fella in Florida attacked a person on the side of the freeway and began to eat the person's face off. That person's face is irreparably disfigured and will never, ever be the same. One eye will be blind forever. He'll never be able to see at least out of that one eye, possibly out of both of his eyes. And when the police came and the onlookers came and yelled at the person and told him to stop, he stood up and roared at them before he was shot to death. Five separate incidents of cannibalism in a 24-hour period. And in this latter case, it is said that it was due to the use of a drug that is made from bath salts. Am I the only one that heard that? Uh, somebody else in here. Um, and so this is, a, this is a drug that incites a person to crazy violence and, and aggression uh, and, and, and just altogether uh, destructive behavior and, and for me it, it can't just be a drug because it, it, it's got to be the devil himself come down in a, in a new level of attack I believe the world is going to see unprecedented violence and pain on this earth in the years that are to come because it seems that we're going to increasingly lower levels of wickedness and of sin and, and in, the, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 21, uh, the Bible says in the latter part of the verse um, that I tell you as I told you beforehand, that uh, as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so the Bible time and time again tells us that God is concerned about our behavior. And that there are certain things that ought not be in our lives, that ought not be a part of our behavior. Uh, and listen, we can come in and sing and shout and jump and dance and feel good and feel bad all we want to. But when we get through, we need to obey the word of the Lord and understand that there are things that a saint just will not do. 
But I'm also very glad to say that there are some things that a saint will do. But the Bible says, for the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Uh, and so let's work with this list. Uh, how many of you all like this list a little bit better? Uh, look at your name and say, he's going to read from the new list, but don't forget the old list. First thing Paul says is the fruit of the Spirit is joy. Everybody ought to yell it out. Joy. God promises that when he comes into our lives, when he is a part of our life, we will not walk around looking like death-eating soda crackers. Won't look like we've been chewing on persimmons and lemons and limes, but he will put joy in our hearts. How many of you know that God gives us joy? With joy shall we draw water out of the well of salvation. And then the Bible says in Romans 15 and 13, the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Number one, God is a God of hope. If God is in your life, then God gives you hope. God gives you a sense of anticipation of the future. Listen, without God, some people are afraid of their future. They are afraid of tomorrow. They are even afraid of today. And they wake up in the morning and sometimes they're even apprehensive about getting up out of the bed. But when you've got God in your life, God says, by the same power with which I flung the stars against the blackness of the night, the same power by which I enabled the sun and the moon to glow and to shine, the same power by which I taught the water to flow and the wind to blow, I give you hope for tomorrow. This is why I can say, I see you in the future and you look much better than you look right now because I've got God of hope in my life. And with God in our lives, we can make it. We can overcome. And so he said, the God of hope will fill you with all joy and with peace. Why joy? Why should a saint have joy? A saint ought to have joy because he's forgiven. I said forgiven. The rap is lifted. You are forgiven. All the charges against you are nullified. They are negated. Yes, all of us are sinners. We're worthy of death. We're worthy of condemnation, but because of Jesus, we are forgiven. No charges against us. Listen, that's something to have joy about. Not only are you forgiven, but you're saved. Saved from sin, saved from eternal damnation. And then you are saved and you are blessed. How many of you know you are blessed today? Yes. Hallelujah. Joy is a factor, is a reality in the life of every believer who realizes, number one, that things could be worse. Number two, every day above the ground is a good day. Hallelujah. Number three, you have joy because you know God is in your life and he's going to bring you through whatever trial you are dealing with. It did come to pass. It did not come to stay. The spirit-led man will be a man of joy, but he'll also be a man of peace. Peace within himself and peace with others. 
For Paul did say in Romans 15 and 3, the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Now, it's the kind of peace that, that, that God has, that, that God gives to us. It's the kind of peace that Jesus had. Uh, you know, when he was on the ship and they were going from one side to the other, number one, because he knew after he said we're going to the other side that they were really going to the other side. No matter what happened, if there was trouble or distress, uh, then it could not stop Jesus because he had said we're going to the other side. And so Jesus went into the back of the ship and went sound asleep. Uh, and while the ship was going across the sea and the men were rowing, there arose a tremendous storm. But the storm did not even wake Jesus up. Jesus was going to sleep through it all until the disciples woke him up and said, Master, don't you care that we perish? And he awoke and rebuked the storm, spoke to the wind, spoke to the lightning, spoke to the thunder, spoke to the waves, and there was a great calm. The storm ceased because it heard the voice of its creator. And listen, when you've got the voice and the power of the creator on the inside, you've got peace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, bless the name of God. And then the latter part of that verse, Romans 15 and 13, the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, in your faith, in your confidence, in your believing is what's going to bring you through whatever trial you are going through. Listen, without faith, it is impossible to believe God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek after him. And when you walk by faith, you have the confidence that everything is going to turn out. The Bible says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to them who are the called according to his purpose. If you love God, then God himself takes responsibility for the outcome of every situation you might confront. And so, child of God, walk in peace. Don't let anything disturb the tranquility of your soul. You've got God on your side. And if God be for us, who can be against us? Hallelujah. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And listen, if you've got peace with God, you've got the peace of God. And then you've got the power of God at work in your situation. And so just practice peace. The fruit of the Spirit is peace. Look at your name and say, practice peace. When peace like a river attendeth my way, and when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well. I said, it is well with my soul. And so practice peace with God. Practice peace within your heart. Practice peace in your relationships with the people who are around you. And so next, the spirit-led man has patience. He's able to endure. He's able to press on through all kinds of adverse situations. He's not just beat down because of a temporary crisis, but he's solid. He's enduring. He's able to press ahead by the power of God. But this patience is also the ability to defer desire, to defer pleasure, to wait 
on a benefit to postpone uh, the reward that one seeks until one has endured a time of struggle and a time of stress. And listen, there are many times of stress. There's much trouble. There's much distress in life. But the fact that distress and trouble comes your way does not mean you ought to give up and throw your hands up in frustration. Some people run away from every situation that seems to be adverse. But listen, you've got to hold on. You've got to, as the Bible says, run with patience the race that is set before us, uh, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And then Isaiah began to talk about it in, in, in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 30, where he said, even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall, <clears throat> but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up on wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. And so just look over two or three people and tell them, be patient. The Bible says, weeping may endure for a night, but joy will come in the morning. And so what you need to learn to do is to understand that every reward, every blessing is on the other side of a trial. And the presence of a trial does not mean victory. It just means that the victory is going to be all the more sweet when God brings it into your life. Clap your hands and give praise to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, I, I'm not going to have time to just really elaborate on each one of these. The Bible says the spirit-led man is kind. Uh, and there's so little kindness in the world. You, you let, you let the, the, the green light come on, and when the, the moment it comes on, somebody behind you is blowing on the horn, looking at you mean. But, but the spirit-led man is kind. He's, he's cool. He, he's not abrasive and, and not in your face all the time. The spirit-led man is not only kind. The Bible says he's good. It says he's generous. He, he does good. He helps. He works. He lifts. He understands the principle of prosperity is that you've got to share. You've got to invest. You've got to give. And so he's not tight. Not that God bless me, my wife, my son, his wife, us four, no more. Amen getting all you can and canning all you get. The spirit-led man is kind and, and he's generous. And then the Bible says that he's faithful. Faithful. Everybody say faithful. faithful. Stands by his convictions. Persistent in the performance of his responsibility. A spirit-led man can be commended and depended upon to do what he promised he's going to do. He can be depended upon to keep his word. If he borrows your money, he's going to pay it back when he said he was going to pay it back. Help me, Holy Ghost. Spirit-led man is general, gentle. I said he's gentle. Strong man can afford to be gentle. Amen. Hallelujah. I can do all things through Christ that strengtheneth me. And if I've got the strength of Christ, I'm just not going to be in your face worried about trying to persist and press for my rights, for my privileges. I've got power that you can't see. God is living inside me. I can fight any enemy for God and me are a majority. And then he said that a spirit-led man has self-control. Somebody say self-control. Proverbs 16 and 32 says that he that ruleth his own spirit is better than he that taketh a city. And so God gives us the power, the strength, 
to be in control of ourselves, in control of our destinies, in control of our mind. But sometimes, how many of you know when you want to be in control, your body does not always go along with the program. Your fleshly mind does not always endorse what you would pursue and what you would do. Uh, I remember I went on a horseback riding trip one day, uh, and it seemed that they picked out the biggest, meanest stallion in the whole stable for me to ride on. He'd been in the corral for a while and had not had exercise for a long time, and so he wanted to run. And when they brought him out, I looked at that great big horse. Uh, I let the children ride on Shetland ponies, and they just kind of went on about their business, but I, I couldn't ride on one of those little fellas. I got on this big fella, and as soon as I was in the saddle and they released the reins from, from the, 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 tie, the, the, the post where they had him tied up, off he went running, 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 fast as he could go. And I was struggling, trying to stop him. And finally, when I got him stopped, I turned him around. I went right in that same little circle track where the kids were riding on their little shuttle ponies. And so I rolled around in that circle and I said, you're not going to kill me out here on my vacation. <laughs> Hallelujah. That horse almost killed me that day. But Jesus, the Bible says that, that when Jesus was about to make his triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem, he rode on a coat that had never been ridden on before. In other words, he rode a horse that no one else had ever ridden. It had not been trained. It had not been broken. It had not been disciplined to. And you don't ride an unbroken horse in a parade. But, but Jesus was so mighty, so powerful, that when he sat in the saddle uh, atop that steed, that horse didn't have the nerve to buck or to balk or to turn away from the pathway. He rode as if he had been trained for many, many years because the King of kings and the Lord of lords was in the saddle. And child of God, what we really need to have happen is to have Jesus to sit in the saddle behind us to take charge of our lives and reach around and take the reins in his hand and guide and direct our lives in the pathway that he would have them to walk in. And every child of God, every man, every woman ought to say, Lord, take charge of my life. Take control of my life. You are the Lord. You are the master. I've got situations I cannot deal with, but Lord, you know what I'm going through. The Bible says that Jesus was tempted in all points, like as we are, yet without sin, and therefore we can come boldly to the throne of grace and find mercy and grace to help. And Jesus said, listen, I will sit in the saddle of your life. I will help you. I will guide you. I will direct you. I will strengthen you. I will enable you. I will carry you to the point of victory. Somebody ought to help me praise God. Oh, yes, he did. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible says he humbled himself. He humbled himself even to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And now God has highly exalted him and given him a name that's above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Christ is Lord of all. He did not want to go to the cross. He said, Father, 
If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And Jesus submitted to the will of God. And because he submitted, God elevated him and glorified him. And that same Jesus is in the room right now. He's here right now. Aren't you glad he's present? Whatever your need might be, whatever your desire might be, whatever your challenge might be, Jesus, the God of all glory, will come into your life and enable you and strengthen you and give you power to endure and to go forth. Stand up, everybody, and give praise to Almighty God. Hallelujah. 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 Your success is in your yes. I said your success is in your yes. Jesus was exalted because of his yes. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. The Lord will give grace and glory and no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Lord, we thank you for your word today. Thank you, dear Lord, for telling us those things that we need to avoid. And thank you for telling us those things that we need to have at work in our lives. Dear Lord, I pray that they will sink deeply into our hearts, that they will impact us, that they will control us, that they will direct us. Because this world seems to be on a downward road, does not mean we have to consent to being brought down with it. We reach out to you. We determine in our hearts, dear Lord, that we want to know you. We want you to be God of our lives. We want you to direct our pathway. We want to be saved. We want to be forgiven. We want to be men that bring glory to your name and blessings to our families and to our children. Help, dear Lord, the mothers to be mothers who will love their families and be blessed because of your presence and your power in their lives. And we all say yes to your word and yes to your will. In the name of Jesus, lift up your hands, everybody. The Lord bless these, your children. The hands are lifted toward you. The Lord, I've just given them your simple word that would guide and direct them in lives. And let every one of them say to you, yes, Lord. Thy will be done in Jesus' name. Clap your hands and give praise to God. Hallelujah. I want to pray for those who are not saved, for those who do not know Jesus as Savior and Lord. If you're here today and your sins have not been forgiven, please do not walk at this time. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus, if you're here today and as I went through the qualities that ought not be a part of individuals' lives and that ought to be a part of individuals' lives. 
you were confronted with the demand of God that there be some changes in your life. I'll pray for you right where you stand, right where you are. Every sin you've ever committed can be forgiven and Jesus Christ can become Lord of your life. You'll never be the same again. Because see, what you've been really needing is God. What you've really been needing is the help of God. In your very spirit, you agree, you concur with God's word, but something holds you back. And you are not able to deal with it because God is not there to help you and to strengthen you and to make you everything that you can be. But the Bible says, call unto me and I will answer you. And I will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. So this is a moment for prayer. If there's someone who would say, preacher, pray for me. I need God's help. I'll pray for you right where you stand and right where you are. The Lord will come to your aid and to your assistance. Even at this moment, if you would say, pray for me, preacher. I need prayer. I need God's forgiveness. Lift that hand where you are. Hold it high. Don't lower it until I tell you to do so. Lift those hands. It's your moment, your day, your time. Lift those hands. Dear Lord, I pray for every uplifted hand. I pray for your people who have come to your house on this day. I pray, dear God, that you by your might and by your power will show yourself God in a very, very special way. Thank you for your word. Thank you, dear Lord, that you tell us what we need to know and you tell us what we need to hear, dear Lord, that would help our lives become better and righteous before you. And dear Lord, you've spoken to our hearts today and these individuals lifting their hands would say, Lord, I, I want your help. I want your presence. I want your forgiveness. I want your power. Come into their lives as never before. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Everybody repeat this prayer with me. Dear Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me for the wrong I've done and the wrong I've been. I want to be saved. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that he died for my sin. I believe that he arose from the dead. I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and as my Savior. And I give my life to him. And I thank you, Lord. I am forgiven. Thank you for forgiving me. I am saved. I have new life. Clap your hands and praise God for the delivering power of Almighty God.